Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast that will teach budding gardeners like you to grow your green thumb. For whether you're a newbie or a seasoned horticulturalist, you're sure to learn something new. Enjoy our conversations with community gardeners and gurus from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Boop, boop, doo, doo, doop, doop. All right. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's my favorite song. Hello again. Welcome, everyone, to the Green Acres Garden Podcast. My name is Kevin Jordan, your pollen pal. Back in studio with, with my pollen pal, Austin Blank. How's it going there, Austin? Hey, Kevin. Uh, my pal, my buddy, my guy. How are you doing today? Doing great. You know, Austin, this week we're going to be talking about uh, some color that's blooming right now in May. You know, April showers bring May. Uh, flowers. There you go. Ding, ding. <laughs> right. So uh, May is on the way. It is here. And we're going to talk about all the th- plants, both perennials and annuals, that do really well here uh, at this time of the year. Do you know a difference between a perennial and an annual, Austin? I do indeed, because you taught me well, Kevin. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I didn't know this before the show, but uh, an annual lives one cycle uh, or, you know, season, loop of seasons, and then a perennial can come back year after year. That's it, yeah. So your annuals, you know, seed to seed in, in under a year, and then perennials, they'll come back and can visit you and live from year to year to year. So cool. It's fantastic. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but, you know, before we do, Austin, I had this story that I've been really dying to tell you a little oh. bit about. I think you might appreciate it. Is it story time? It's story time okay. here at the, at Let's the podcast. Uh, so a week or two ago, a little while back, we had this wonderful field trip come to my school these little fifth and sixth graders came out to come visit and kind of tour the, the garden and have some fun out uh, you know, in the garden and also do some great work with our culinary program. So we had him out in the garden, and it was great. We had him working out there. You know, They were pulling carrots, and I had a st- this, this little student. He was eating the carrots right out of the ground. Wouldn't even He would barely <laughs> dust them off. I'm like, hey, hey, we can wash those off. He's like, no, no, I like it like this. So they're, they're, a little handful of them out there. They're running around, and you know, they're, they're, they're a wild bunch, but they were very you – know, their behavior was great. It was so wonderful. And guess what? I, I listened to his teacher. His teacher was like, hey, you know, did you have a good time today? Student looks up. He said – I had the best day of my life. Yes. And so for me, I just love that. He's like, I had the best day of my life in the garden. And it just really uh, kind of solidified the, the power of gardening and growing. And it was his first time ever in a garden. Uh, and he was a fifth grader. And so it was just wonderful. I feel like the garden can bring you you know, a lot of joy. And with that joy, you really want to have some success. That student came out, had some instant success, had some joy. And so in today's episode, we're going to hopefully bring you some joy with a little mixture of success, because that's what we want for you this summer, especially this May. There's a lot of color out there to be had, and so let's dive right into it. What do you think, Austin? Yeah, so let's get into it. What do you have in store for us today? So I say let's first just dive right into perennials. So we've uh, we've talked a little bit about perennials. Like we said, those are the plants you can kind of depend on a little bit. They're you know very hardy, hopefully. Uh, the ones that we've chosen to talk about today are ones that are going to look really good this time of year. Uh, right around here in Northern California, they'll be blooming like crazy. Some of them are just starting their bloom. And some of them are going to look really good in May, but actually a lot of the ones that we've chosen to describe today and kind of uh, list out here are actually ones that are going to look really great starting now all the way through summer and into fall even a little bit. So um, it's pretty great. And a lot of them are actually very hardy as well. So right out the gate, um, and this is one that we have in our garden at the school. It's called Red Hot Poker, Nifophia, spelled with a silent K, you little devil. Um, so Nifo- Red Hot Poker is fantastic. Now, Austin, I think this one's new to you, right? 
Uh, so it's been brought up before on the show, but I haven't seen it in person or handled it or seen, you know, smelled it or. It's an all star. Okay. Okay. So the leaves are very basic, right? So the foliage just looks like these tall, kind of grass-like, strap-like leaves. Very simplistic, but the blossoms are a work of art. They're very bright. They're 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 pink and orange with you know touches of red, and they all kind of blend together. They're they're very tube shapes blossoms that kind of hang down in these massive clusters on these spikes. And guess what loves them? Hummingbirds. And it's such a, a treat to kind of get out in the garden as you're working. Even today, we saw some hummingbirds out there uh, drinking from them. And they actually have to get their head up and kind of p- tilt their head upwards to go to slurp out of those those blossoms to get that sweet little nectar. That's their fuel. Uh, and it's fantastic. So uh, the nephophia is a great plant. It's very drought tolerant once you get it established. I haven't watered it for weeks, especially with that, that little bit of rain we had. It was fantastic. I use a ton of mulch in the garden that it... Uh, our plants are in and they're doing really well. We actually planted those ones in the fall. So they got, they got a chance to get rooted all fall. That's what we talked about all last fall, how fall was a great time for planting. But guess what? If you forgot, uh, now is still a great time for planting because our spring temps are are perfect for, for gardening and growing and planting. So I feel like if you have a spot where you want a plant that um, can lure in some hummingbirds, but also be something that you're really not going to have to give a lot of care to a lot of watering, um, Nephophia, the red hot poker, is a fantastic option for that for that possibility right there. And uh, for me, I, it was, it's something I don't regret. Nice. Uh, I love our red hot poker. So definitely, you know, check that one off the list. Go take a look at them. They're really cool. And really, for me, the only maintenance is getting in there and just deadheading some of those spikes. Excellent. So, and those are available to to purchase right now. And what do they look like? Are they already bloomed at the store? Like you'll see them budding up and blooming right now. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they're brightly colored. Um, like I said, they're they're bright oranges and kind of a tangerine, and you know, uh, just this great apricotty yellows and pinks. Nice. What part of the yard should I put them in? Somewhere sunny. Absolutely. Sunny. Lots of sun. Lots okay. of heat. Um, so maybe a location that maybe you have difficult keeping something else alive there. Hmm. Once you get them in there, like I said, you add some um, organic matter to that soil, a little bit of mulch to kind of protect their roots a little bit. They'll get established and then they're off and running and they really won't require a ton of extra thought. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. I like I like a plant like that, right? Where I don't have to water it a ton and it does well and it looks awesome. Low maintenance. And- Brings in hummingbirds. That's that's a real. The treat. hummers love it, and and actually a the few hummers. a few other plants we're going to discuss. It's really they're all. It's all about the pollinators. Uh, yeah. For me, in this episode, we're, a lot of the plants we've chosen are just pollinator friendly. Uh, whether it's hummingbirds, butterflies, bees, and everything mm-hmm. in between. That's what we really want to support in our garden. It's going to add health and vitality to other aspects of your garden. And so for us, it's just a must. And I see you looking at pictures right now of yep. them. See, yep. I wasn't kidding. So they're on these spikes. Yeah. Yellow on the bottom, like almost like a rocket ship going up. Yeah. Uh, they're beautiful. Red hot pokers. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. So so you recommend uh, people should put this in their garden like right now? You, you can, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, okay. they're, they're, they're hardy plant. And then uh, what else you got? What comes after that? So one, I actually was almost going to come up in a few other episodes back when we were talking about things that, that are beautiful and colorful and hardy. Uh, they, they maybe got cut out. We didn't get a chance to discuss it. And this Aww. is a staple of the garden, especially here in Northern California. Uh, they, you know, they don't get their due. This is the daylily, the hemerocallus. Mm. So daylilies are those beautiful plants you see, you know, planted all about in all these gorgeous gardens. You, I'm, I see you looking at some pictures yes, right now. Stop. And they, they come up on these on these gorgeous spikes as well. And you have these clusters of blossoms that come on each spike. And it really, their colors range the gambit. Yellows and reds and, you know, 
oranges and everything in between. It's like there a lot of different variation. Um, it almost looks like like artists have painted some of their um, yeah. you know the different colors on there. Their leaves are very you know very basic, but it's nice and lush and green. And they come out, but their 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 color is just incredible. And they usually will go from May all the way till fall. And so uh, you'll see them just bloom and have repeat blooms. They'll kind of go up for a while. They'll bloom. You cut those old spikes off, and then you kind of will help force out some new growth. They're very durable. Uh, they really they can handle some dry soils, but they, they really don't want to stand in a whole lot of standing water, really. Okay. And so they, they're very durable plants once they get established. And what's great, it's one of those plants that the longer you keep them, the more you can divide them and then spread them out to other areas of your garden, give them to your friends. Uh, and there's so many different colors out there and varieties to kind of choose from. You can be a little bit of a collector and, uh, you know, you can be a little a uh, little bit more decisive with your approach, depending upon what kind of colors you want to bring into your garden. They do great in clumps and clusters, uh, borders. You can even put them standalone in a container with some other color as well because they'll give you some height in there. But they're durable. That's why you see them all the time planted throughout Northern California. And it's for a reason. It's because they're gorgeous. They can handle those dry conditions. They can handle the heat. They love the sun. And, you know, and you know they're not too bad to look at either. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I uh, pulled up some pictures, like you said, and they, they are beautiful. I love the the texture that it's adding to the spaces that I keep seeing them in. They, oh, yeah. They're so interesting to look at. They're not, like, one-dimensional. They're very uh, textured. And, it looks lush, too. Yeah. I see the picture looking at with all the foliage yeah. mixed with those blossoms. It provides a very lush backdrop. So if I were to buy this at the store, how big would that be? You can get usually in one gallons is, is where I see okay. them more predominantly. Um, sometimes you'll see them in different sizes as well, but uh, I feel like a one gallon is perfect for them because it's just big enough to where you can get them, um, you know, into the soil. They've got enough material in there to get established, and then they're off and running. Yeah, they get pretty big. Are they tubers? It says this one it has like tuberous roots. Tuberous, yeah, yeah, a tube, yeah, okay. okay. There you go. Yeah, so they're they're gonna be swollen and kind of fattened. Uh, kind of similar to like a spider plant where you see those roots and they're mm-hmm. very swollen. And then uh, any, you know, you get good chunks of that, um, a nice good chunk, and uh, you can grow one. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, you're recommending the daylily for everyone is a good flower that blooms uh, at this point in time right now, right? Absolutely. So yeah. if you had them in, you're probably just loving those April, you know, showers. But if you didn't get them in, now is the time. Get them established. It's still cool enough. Where you can get them in, and then once they're established, then they'll handle those summer heats that's a little cool. better. Yeah, that's cool. So it's it's not too hot right now to plant. Yeah, uh, no, no, you're good to go. This is great temps. Excellent. All right, thank you. So so far we have done um, the red hot poker, and then we did the day lily. Do you have any other cool perennials? So one great perennial that doesn't tend to get too tall, but tends you see it oftentimes grown as, almost as a ground cover. It's uh, lantana, and I see a lot of folks growing this around. It's starting to pop right now. Uh, lantana is this gorgeous plant that has these massive clusters of little blossoms that all kind of shoot out all together at once. You got purples and whites and yellows and oranges and pinks and reds. Uh, and then what's great about them is once they get established, same thing. They're super durable. They love the sun. They, they're pretty drought tolerant. And all those pollinators just seem to love them. Butterflies even. It's, it's a great butterfly food source. You'll see bees going to them and everything else in between. And so lantana is a very good option. Like I said, all the different colors. I've seen them in baskets. You can see them in the ground, in containers. Uh, lantana is a great choice. I know a lot of folks who grow them, and they just swear by them. If you need an area where you need to almost need them to take up some space, you can plant several of them together, and they'll make a great kind of informal flowering hedge or a border. They're just a great option if you need a lot of color uh, that's durable and nice and low. 
They're mm. fantastic. Lantana. Lantana. Okay, that one definitely sounds familiar. I, I think we've brought it up before, but I didn't really know what it was all about. So that's really cool. It, it attracts butterflies, lots of colors, right? Absolutely. It stays low. Tons. I like how you said it could be like kind of a border, a border plant. It's one of those things that yeah, you mix in with all your other plants. Like we talked about the daylilies. You could put those two things together, and they just would marry very well together. Ooh, there we yeah. go. I like when we start talking about the combinations. That's what it's all about. You yeah. get different plants, different textures, different heights, uh, and you mix, start mixing those plants together. And when they're all very durable plants, that hardy, that have tons of color, and the pollinators love them, it's just a win-win-win. Excellent. I love the win-wins. You Let's, know it. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a victory any chance I can get. <laughs> Yes. Especially gardening. You know, you take your wins. <laughs> right, right. So, um, okay, is there any other perennials we need to cover before we move there on? There are so many that we need to cover, but our time is limited. So one that I absolutely is a garden must. Like, these have all been staples this week, okay. I feel like. And this is the salvias, um, sage. Uh, totally. A lot of people call it sage, salvia. There's well over 900 different cultivated varieties of salvia out there. So there's no shortage of options for salvia. I was mentioning earlier uh, the salvia that I like to eat with my food. That's salvia officinalis, and that's that's cooking. That's culinary sage, and then you know you know it's because it's officially delicious to <laughs> eat. I love salvia. Uh, that's a great one. You know, it's salvia is so good. I mean, it brings in pollinators, but I mean, you literally can kill demons with salvia. <laughs> Uh, I, I've seen people, you know, they do that. They go do the, you know, get the demons out of your house when you move in with the white salvia. What? Yeah, doing the, those aromatic smudges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know right? what you're talking about. So it's like you can ghost bust with it. You can you can also ghost bring in bust. pollinators, whatever. It, it does so much. Dude, but, you uh, got jokes. Right? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> ghostbusters. And so, no, I'm serious. We should go do stand-up. I would love it. Let's, dude, <laughs> sign me up right now. If I you could just, make people laugh. Yeah, you fired off a pun. I would, I would love it. And then a bunch of other jokes. You're killing me right now. This is great. So, I appreciate that. So, salvia is, is also great. And so, they're, they love the sun. They love the heat. Um, they're very drought tolerant. And actually, they're in the, 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 Lamace, the Lamiaceae family. And so that is like, you know, rosemary, butterfly bush, all the mint. Um, these, these are all those, they're, you know, they're, they're punks. They're these, these, okay. these plants running around with their, them and their square stems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They got square stems. Really? All right. Yeah, yeah. Check them out. Yeah. Okay. Salvia are cool. Um, so all the Lamiaceae, they have square stems, um, like lamb's ear. Lamb's ear has super square-like stems. Um, and that's a fantastic plant, too, the stackies. We didn't bring it up just yet. I mean, I guess I might as well. I just did. Um, but they're, uh, they don't bloom. I mean, they do have, actually, they do. They do bloom. They're really beautiful. But they're mainly grown for their awesome foliage. Uh, that's, but they're sun tolerant, heat tolerant, drought tolerant as well. Um, rosemary, that's, a, that's related to them as well. And um, blooms like crazy, is delicious also, and is super rugged plant. They're, it's like almost harder to kill than it is to keep alive. And that's how a lot of these Lamiaceae's are. And salvia is a big, massive chunk of them. Like I said, over 900 different varieties um, to choose from. And so they are some great-looking plants. You're looking at the hot lips right there. I, I grow that one in my front yard. Yeah. And it's never not covered in bees. The only time it's not Ooh. covered in bees and, and hummingbirds is in the dead of winter. And that's when I cut it back to like a little nub. And then it shoots back to life in the spring, blooms from spring into summer. Oftentimes you'll hear it called autumn sage because it blooms not just in autumn, but it blooms up through autumn, up until autumn. And that's when it's just fantastic plant. I barely, I don't even have mine on an irrigation system. They, they are so, I, I barely hand water them even in the summer, hmm. uh, not that they're established. And it's, it's a fantastic plant. Like I said, pollinators love it. It's, it's very heat tolerant. And that's all, that's your salvias. And there's actually a ton of different varieties um, many different types. Actually, I'm growing one right now in the garden. 
That's a salvia macrophylla, I believe. It has a bigger leaf, and it's only a foot tall. But then I have the hot lips like t- three feet away, and they're three, four feet tall and wide. So everything from 12 inches tall up to you know four feet tall and everything in between, there, there's a ton of variation in there. And what's great about them, like I said, is they're so rugged. Right now, we're, you know, as things heat up in May, we really want to have our gardens looking really lush and, and bountiful and full of blossoms. But we also want to do it in a fashion where we try to utilize every single drop. And that's going to kind of bring us maybe to uh, the annual of the week. We'll talk about an annual right now. You ready for that, Austin? Yeah, let's uh, jump into annuals. Yeah, absolutely. So the heat actually has been great for uh, to drive some of the blooms on some of our annuals. Uh, we've mentioned them in the past, the petunias, your zinnias, your begonias, impatiens. They're all kind of coming into full swing right now, and they're going to continue to bloom through the summer. But right now, as that as the temperature kind of you know starts to kind of tick up, they're actually going to enjoy that. Whereas other plants that were looking good uh, earlier aren't really going to enjoy that. Your pansies, they're, they're kind of going to go the way the dodo, sadly. They're going to they're gonna go dormant now. They're going to die. But everything else, like I said, those, those marigolds are going to love the heat. But one, that I'm, uh, but one plant that I'm especially excited for, whether you've planted them already, you can actually still get them started from seed, and, and that's sunflowers. They're an annual. They bloom like crazy. They're really easy to grow. Uh, I've seen them grow in really good soil, and I've seen them grow in very poor soil, and and they do great almost in either, and they're wonderful. You can get different varieties, different colors, different heights, and they're just a wonderful annual plant to grow, and I feel like if you add them to your garden, you definitely will be satisfied and won't be upset about it. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sunflowers. Um, I know that they're they're easy to grow, right? Striking, too. And they, uh, you know what I don't know, I guess, is is all the varieties. I should study up a little more. Just, you know, walk the seed aisle. They'll, yeah. They'll, I've seen them sold, you know, in four inch, one gallons. And that's fantastic if you can get it and you want some instant gratification. But you can walk that seed aisle still. You know, I feel like some people feel like I missed the boat. But uh, there's still some seeds that you can still get in the ground for this summer yeah. that are going to look great. Now, how many sunflower varieties can you eat? Because I know it's like the big ones make the big seeds, right? But some some are some are grown for eating, and some are more for for decorative okay. or for those bees. Actually, we talked to the bee lady down there in the Hagen Dazs Bee Garden, right? And she said the sunflower is like a perfect flower for the home garden to bring in bees, and uh, and I feel like we should honor that. All right, Kevin. Well, thank you for all of your great suggestions. And this comes from the store, right? You just went and kind of walked through the aisles? Oh, yeah. I go there a few times a week to get some inspiration. You know, it's sadly, there's so many more options out there that we don't even have time to even discuss. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the annuals and both perennials, there's so many more varieties of plants that really uh, the home gardener can choose from to really, you know, it's like a painter with their different palette of colors. Nice. Uh, I kind of want to pick your brain just for a second. Like when you're going out there, you're looking for amazing color, right? But then you're also kind of making these picks based on what's easy to grow, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we want to definitely guide people to hopefully, you know, choices that are going to be, you know, plants that are drought tolerant and, and are durable, things that are going to bloom heavily, like some bring in pollinators. And hopefully lead them to success, whatever that may be, and that you know whatever goals they have for their garden. We want them to be as successful as possible. So the ones we chose today are ones that we think are beautiful, hardy, and, and kind of tick all those boxes. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Um, so let's say you know I went and picked up everything you just told me to buy, and I start putting it in my garden. You know what? What are the best practices? What do I need to be careful of? So we'll start with the soil, and for us, like I said, we want to make every drop count. So a lot of these plants they're durable, but they're really going to do best 
in you know in well-drained soil that's rich has a little bit of organic matter in there that can hopefully absorb some of that water so the plant can you know utilize it as it needs it but also breathe a little bit um, the plants are gonna uh, the plants are gonna enjoy that appreciate it and so it's also gonna reduce how much water you're gonna need to give to them and and one more thing we can really do is organic fertilization is key for these plants, in my opinion, because that's going to allow them to become healthy, robust. We're going to, we're going to build up uh, the health of the vitality, the fertility of the soil they're growing in. Uh, and we're also going to add some mulch in there to, you know, to call it good. And so for me, like I said, we really it's all about protecting the plants, keeping them healthy, and then reducing you know, all the inputs, how, you know, all the fertilizer you need to use, how much water you need to put in there. We want to use the proper amounts. And so when it comes to watering, putting that mulch in there, it's going to do several different things. It's going to protect the roots. It's going to insulate them. And it's also going to shield the soil from the hot, you know, daily sun. So that way you can trap in some of that excess moisture. So that way the plants can actually utilize it. Um, if you're, you know, irrigating with a drip system, you are on it. You are doing it. If you don't have any experience with a drip system, you can learn about it. It's actually fairly simple. If, if it's so easy, I can do it. I did um, it. Right? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a little, you know, a little trial and error. You practice, yeah. and then you get, yeah. the more you do it, the better you get. And it's actually fairly simple once it's set up. Um, and I, I feel like giving it uh, your plants a drip system where you're just slowly adding water to the plants uh, over time. And you can kind of play with that to, to see how deep that water is going in because there's there's no need in giving them too much water, but you definitely want to make sure you're you're watering deep down enough to kind of saturate their whole yeah. root zone. Um, so drips where it's at. And so that way it really helps utilize every single drop. Oh, okay. I have a quick question, though. Uh, just a moment ago, you said you want to reduce inputs. And that's the first time I've heard this term. Uh, in this context. So what do you mean by reduce inputs? Well, you know, you really don't want to be, um, you know, if folks are like, if you're fertilizing, you know, you don't want to be wasting, you know, putting more fertilizer in than you need to. Mm. Because for one thing, if you, if you do too much too quick, some plants, you know, don't appreciate that. They'll get, you know, fertilizer burn from some fertilizers. But even still, for some of the ones that are still slow release, What's you're just wasting it then, right? So a lot of that just gets run off and, and wasted. And so if you're adding, you know, the proper amount at the proper time, hopefully that's getting absorbed by the plant uh, and and staying in the soil. Where and so it's really it's it's for me. I'm 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 frugal as I like to say. Hmm. And so and I know a lot of home gardeners are as well. And so you really want to for your plant's sake, you want to make sure that you're just giving them. You don't want to be wasteful. You Got know? it. Got yeah, it. It's all about Because I could see some overzealous people maybe trying to fertilize too much, right? They're thinking it's all going to make this plant yeah, flower more, like more crazy. Yeah, more is better. More yeah, is better. Yeah, but it's not. You can only do so much. The plants can only absorb so much. Got it. So whether it's you know fertilizing or even watering, I know. Uh, I think that those are the first two mistakes I've ever made as a gardener is adding a ton of fertilizer, thinking that it's going to just more will increase yields, and then just watering nonstop, yeah. where you just water a plant. It's kind of, it's doing okay. Then you're like, you know what? I'm going to water it some more. Then I'm going to water it some more. Then you, and all of a sudden, your plant's looking bad, and you're thinking, <laughs> oh, it must have went dry, so let me water it again. And then it, the plant never went dry. It's been suffocating. Oh, uh, That poor plant. I, I, I've been through that. I learned a lot by failure, so yeah. that's how you, you got to do it sometimes. Well, I encourage everyone to get out there and give it a shot and and make those mistakes so you can learn from them. But also, hopefully, we're we're helping guide you so you don't have to make some of those yeah, mistakes. Yeah, yeah, I made them for you. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> really, it's about giving your plants proper soil, proper nutrition. Feed that soil. Let the soil feed your plants. You know, give them adequate water as needed. But a lot, but you know, the proper plant choice. If you're choosing a plant that already doesn't really require a ton of water, then you're good to go in that regard. Um, you know, when it comes to containers, containers are a fantastic way 
to kind of segregate some of your plants, get them up off the ground. If you got animals yeah, and you want to control your watering, that can also be a great way to kind of make every drop count as well. So I feel like you, you do a few, it's a lot of little things as always for some garden success. And it just comes down to your preference, which one of these plants, you know, sings out to you when you start looking at their blossoms and you see the, the way that uh, nature interacts with your garden, you know, does it make you happy? And if so, I think you chose the right plant. Nice. Okay. That, that's so sweet, Kevin. I, I love that. And it does motivate me, you know, because, uh, I, I keep learning here every week from you, and I thank you for that. And I've been getting my hands dirty. I've been going out there every week, and I, I still look forward to it every time. So I hope we encourage everyone else to to get out there and, and do it. Why don't you take us out, Kevin? All right. Well, it's been another wonderful week out in the garden. I can't wait to get back to it. Got to go put some more you know, chicken manure on some of my plants, I suppose. Uh, but I hope everyone else is getting excited for these May blossoms. I feel like all the work we're going to put in now is going to pay dividends this summer. So get out there, you know, get your hands dirty and get after it, folks. Until next week, garden friends, happy gardening to you all. And please never stop growing. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions.